0: Good morning. I'm going to uh, take the lead from Will and also say Happy New Year. You know, New Year's the only holiday you can do that with. I mean, really, you, I've heard people like, you know, they'll say Happy New Year like through all of January. But if you miss Flag Day, you're just sunk, you know. I mean, you, you can't get it back, you know. You can't go back there. I also wanted to, to reference something else that, that Will said, good job, man. He said he and his wife had a baby. Um, I'm thinking Lauren might beg to differ with that just a little bit, you know? But man, way way to grab credit, okay? Especially when she's not here, you know? Good job, buddy, good job. you got your bible let's look in ephesians chapter six continuing with talking about being gospel people in a real world when byron uh told me that he was going to be gone and um this was the uh the part of his study that uh we were at i was excited about this you know uh the book of timothy tells us that all scripture is ordained by God and, and is given to us and is good for us and has meaning and purpose. It doesn't matter what it is, but you know, Ephesians chapter 6 and, and, and other parts of, of Ephesians as well, it's what I call Monday morning scripture. Uh, some things are, are really good and, and warm and fuzzy to talk about together at church on Sunday, but there is some very practical uh, dots real close together real-life instructions for when we go uh, to work Monday morning that Paul shares with us today and and um, I, I, I just I just appreciate the practicality of God I really do um, let me ask you this question though before we read our text um, how many of you still have Christmas decorations out confess your sins one to another there you go a few of us still have them displayed, a lot of us have put them up, and I I guess if you're like we are, you have boxes uh, and containers that they go in, right? Okay? And I have learned uh, repetitively that the Christmas items are not supposed to go in non-Christmas boxes. That, that they're to be separated, okay, so that when next year comes, we don't unpack things that are not part of the decoration process. I, I've even seen at the store that you can buy red and green um, plastic totes that way you know, okay, without having to look inside that, that those are Christmas things, okay. We're kind of a box people, aren't we? We're kind of a compartmentalized race or, or, or species, rather, okay? We like to put things in their place. We like to put things in boxes and, and put them away or know where they are, and we don't like our stuff to overlap and overflow uh, into the rest of our stuff. And that's okay. That's very organized, and I commend people. Um, with that skill (coughs) and that discipline uh, to do those kinds of things because quite frankly I I open the door to the attic and just throw you know and worry about it next year Um, but we're box people we like boxes Paul today is going to caution us about that characteristic He's going to caution us not to be so boxy or so box oriented in our lives because without realizing it we can um, acquire two very distinct boxes we can de- acquire a secular box and a sacred box and without meaning to, as we live our lives, we can put things in the sacred box that we think go in that particular box. Things of God, things of church, things of, of um, living and, and uh, worshiping the Lord and, and how we act in that process, how we act at church, things that are customary here. Those all begin to funnel into our sacred box problem comes in that we do the same thing with our secular box. When we get out into the real world, if our secular box and the contents in that box look completely different than what someone would find in our sacred box, then Paul's going to tell us we've got an issue and we've got a problem because to God there's no distinction. God doesn't make a distinction between Sunday morning and Monday morning and he doesn't expect our behavior he doesn't expect um, our expectations um, our our thought processes or anything else that make up our life regardless of what day it is or um, what crowd we're with or what circumstance we find ourselves in those things should be consistent and what we deem important To be in our secular box should absolutely spill over and overflow our, our, I said our secular box, I'm sorry. What we deem to be important in our sacred box should absolutely overcome our secular box. They should be one in the same. We should be um, what God calls us to be regardless of where we find ourselves. Now He's going to teach us that today um, using uh, four uh, illustrations about relationships. So let's, let's look at our text. Uh, chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you should uh, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And finally, in verse 9, he says, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism With him. In the previous parts of Ephesians, um, Paul has talked about some reciprocal um, relationships. Specifically, he's talked about uh, marriage uh, in in the earlier part of his letter there. Today, he's going to talk about subordinate relationships, okay? And he provides us two examples, two illustrations here that have a lot of different places of application. We, we, can, we can put um, the context of what he's saying, okay, in a lot of different places in our lives today. Though he, he speaks specifically about really two ends of two different subordinate relationships making up the four, man, they apply. That's why I call this a Monday morning um, passage. So let's, let's look at that for, for just a second. He starts off in chapter 6 by talking to children. Why does he do that? Why do you think he begins with that particular subordinate relationship and with that particular end of that relationship? And and, and I think it's really pretty simple. I think it's a math thing really. Um, Paul knows that the younger one is, the more formidable they are. Okay? The younger somebody is, um, the easier it will be for crucial, critical, foundational concepts to sink in and become a part of who that, that, that individual is. As, as we, we age, it becomes more difficult to do that. Same thing's true when we talk about our society, okay? Just just look at our history, all right? When we were an infant nation, we seemed to have a lot more rhetoric, a lot more dialogue, a lot more writing, a lot more um, discussion, about being a nation though we we, we believed in, in basic uh, tenets of freedom and and abilities to worship we still seemed to express that we understood that we got here by the grace of God. Our forefathers projected that in a lot of the different things that, that they did in their lives. the Major documents that, that we Um, base our our society on today. Uh, Many of them stem from biblical principles. But unfortunately as we have aged as a nation we seem to have drifted further and further from those things. And I think Paul starts by speaking instruction to children to under Score the fact that in any relationship, the sooner, the better. Okay? The sooner, the better. The only thing worse than doing something wrong for a long, long time is to do something wrong for a long, long time and one more day. That we need to to have a sense of urgency about us. We need to have a, a sense of now, okay, in how we live as gospel people, and so he starts talking to kids, and he says, "Obey um, your parents, for this is right. For this is right." Man, rights a really—it's a really short word, you know. It's—it's it, it's one of those words that has a real definite beginning and a real definite end and there's not much fluctuation there. You know, it's really, really concise. Obey your parents because this is the right thing to do. And Paul could have stopped chapter 6 there, and it would have been just as true and just as important for us to understand. We should obey our parents because it's the right thing Thing to do. I I understood early in my childhood not to ask the question why. <laughs> Don't do that. I could ask how. My parents were were patient with me, and they would explain how things work, and and they try to expose me to different things so that I could learn and. And I was a curious kid and and all those kinds of things, and and they were were very long-suffering with me when it came to that. Not so much when I asked why. Because I got the standard biblical answer. Because I said so. My mother's voice would get about that deep. You do this because I told you to do this. You refrain from that because I told you not to do that and you need no other information, Cody Wayne. (laughs) That two name thing would always get you. You knew you would cross the line when I used your middle name. You know what? I hated that. I absolutely, as a kid, hated that explanation. I hated that rationale and the Apostle Paul says my mom was exactly right. There was no explanation needed on her part or on my dad's part. They were my parents and I was to obey them simply because they were my parents. And that unfortunately has become less prevalent in our world today. And before we jump on the kids, I think we have to take ownership of that. Because adults, there are some people in our world that hold a particular position or a particular relationship between you and I, and that position causes them to have to make decisions that they have to make, and sometimes we don't like them, but sometimes we have to do them. Just take my word for it, it is futile to argue with a referee. (laughs) You are wasting your breath, okay? You are absolutely wasting your time. Sometimes we have to be obedient to people, to, to others in our lives simply because that is the right thing to do because of the position that they hold. How in the world can we be blindly obedient to a God we cannot see and touch if we can't do that with others in our lives? That's what Paul's talking about here. He's not just talking to kids, although that's extremely important. That's foundational. But he's talking to all of us when he says that. He, he uses these illustrations this morning of, of the, these particular relationships because the bottom line is going to all come down to the fact that sometimes we must obey God when we don't want to. Sometimes we've got to obey God when we don't feel like it, when it doesn't seem to add up, when it causes us discomfort, when it causes us anxiety, when it causes us, quite frankly, um uh, a great cost in certain situations. We still must obey God simply because He's God. And He does not owe us an explanation. He does not have to justify His decisions. And He allows us to practice that very necessary obedience to ever be in step, to ever be in right relationship with the Lord, he allows us to practice that kind of obedience sometimes with one another. And I guarantee you, when we don't conquer it at that level, we're going to have a real difficult time conquering it at a sacred level. When our secular can't be obedient, how in the world can we expect our sacred to be obedient? That's what Paul's saying this morning. Children, obey your parents simply because it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Paul is referring to a scripture in Deuteronomy, uh, and he's referring to the Ten Commandments as well. You remember uh, in the Old Testament, okay, Moses talks about um, honoring our parents so that we may have long life on this earth. Paul is not saying that someone who dies at an early age Um, necessarily was disobedient or dishonoring to their parents. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying this command, this instruction, this habit, y'all, it's got to be a habit. It's got to be a way of life. It's got to be our first knee-jerk reaction, okay, to be obedient in the times that we're called to be obedient without question. That's how important it was to God, when he initially said it, that he attached a promise to it. It, it, It's not a a formula that we can use and say, oh, well, you know, I obeyed my parents, so I'm going to live to be 90 years old. That's not what Paul's saying. And that's the wrong reason to do it anyway. Okay? Paul's saying that's how critical that this um, lifestyle, this way of life, this way of thinking is to the Lord that it's the first commandment that He attached a promise or a blessing to, so that make it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Children, obey your parents, honor your father and mother, uh, which is the first commandment with promise. Okay, and then He turns it around to the other end of that subordinate relationship. And he begins to talk to parents. And he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Depending on what version of scripture you're reading this morning, you may have different words there. Um, uh, Different things you may, uh, uh, it may say, fathers, uh, do not tempt your children. Do not irritate your children. Do not... um, uh calls discourse, okay? I've seen that written before. It does not say fathers don't discipline your children. That's not what it says at all. It says don't exasperate your child. When I think of the word exasperate, it, it reminds me of the word exhausted, you know? Some people are exasperating, you know? They're just, they're exhaustive. You, you, you talk to him and you're just worn out. You haven't said anything, but you're still just tired from having that conversation. Paul is encouraging parents, and I don't think it's any coincidence that he does single out dad here, not to be the kind of father or the kind of mom that wears the life and the joy out of our kids. We can do that without ever meaning to do that. We can do that with the best of intentions. We can drive and push and steer so hard and so long Because again, our heart's in the right place and we want what we think is best for our kids till we literally exhaust their joy and who they are as individuals. We gotta let our kids be them and not reproductions of us. And sometimes that's hard to do. You know, sometimes uh, when my kids were young without realizing I was doing that. I was trying to make up for all the stuff I didn't do right or I didn't get to do I thought or or, or Something like that and and I would push them in those directions and that was the no more what they wanted to do than anything God God's telling us to be careful Okay, that as we bring up our child to do so in the instruction of the Lord and let the Lord and the Holy Spirit, okay, form within that individual who they created them to be. And when we kind of back off a little bit, and rather than be the, 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 the drill sergeant or the, um, the personal trainer or um, whatever analogy you want to use this morning and just become dad, Just be mom, just be the number one fan, whether they're performing at a ball game that you really enjoy, or they're at a third grade piano recital that you think will never end. (laughs) Then God has a chance to forge a relationship that'll last a lifetime. One thing we never want, is for our pushing and our prodding and our steering and our driving to drive a wedge between us and our kids. And there's an underlying resentment there that lasts a whole lot longer than that activity or that event ever did. Fathers, be careful. Do not exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and the instruction. Old King James says nurture. Bring them up in the nurture. That's That's a warm word. The admonition, God is admonishing young people to be who he's created them to be. If we'll think of things in those contexts, maybe that'll help us just a little bit this morning. He moves on, and he talks about a different relationship um, in verse five. He says, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect, with fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ, um, the context that Paul is is talking, the time frame in which Paul is talking, um, the word "slave" is probably not the same that comes to our minds when we hear and read that word. Okay, um, actually, the the correct term. Uh, is bond servant. Um, these are people that would have some type of relationship, some type of affiliation with someone who owned large pieces of property or businesses or, or, or whatever, and they would indenture themselves to that individual, okay, and become their their servant for long periods of time, decades, okay, um, because that was a good life, okay, uh, uh, that, that, was, that was a profitable thing, that was a, uh, a positive thing for them. Uh, these were not people that were uh, captured against their will, okay, these are not people held in slavery against their will, these were people who made agreements with landowners and business owners and uh, uh, people like that. In fact, uh, uh, there was a custom uh, even back in that day where uh, the bond servant would would pierce their ear uh, in a certain fashion that identified them with that particular um, owner or landlord or, or whatever term you're, you're comfortable using this morning. Okay, So it, it's a little bit different than what we think about, yet there's a definite Still correlation, a definite uh, illustration here that one's in charge and one is not. Okay? One is higher on the rung and one is lower. Okay? And Paul speaks to the one on the lower part of the ladder first. And he says, obey your master. And I'm paraphrasing here. But basically, just as if you were in conversation with the Lord. You be obedient to him just as if God were telling you what to do. How far have we gotten away from that in our world? I mean, really, how far have we gotten away from that? How, how, how often do we see people doing things in the workplace when there's no apparent benefit for them. How how long has it been since we celebrated something on the news or, or, or in the world in general where somebody just simply shows up and goes to work and does the very best they can without recognition, without pay raises, without anything like that because that's the right thing to do. Now, uh, we, we, we've, we've segued into a world that's about me. We, we, we've transferred into a world where now I need to learn how to manipulate the situation that I'm in so that it can be better for me at some point down the road. Or if somebody's going to ask me to do something or tell me to do something, then I better understand it, I better agree with it, most of the time I even better like it, or I'm going to have to rebut that just a little bit. It's tough for us here in our American culture. To understand this concept. It's tough for us in western civilization. We built the world by pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. To reconcile that with what the scripture says this morning. That when we find ourselves in a subordinate position. We are to be loyal. We are to be obedient. We are to be subservient to the person in the higher position. And if they make the mistake, that's on them. The scripture says, as far as I'm concerned. I will do what is right between God and man. If my boss fouls up, that's on him. We have to be a people who are willing to be um, subordinate even when it does not make sense. Because once again, if we can't do that in our earthly relationships, there will come a, a crisis in life, when we're going to find it very, very difficult to do that with the Lord, and then we're going to be in big trouble. It, it's, it's counterintuitive. I get it. I understand it. Most people would tell you um, this, is, this is strange. This is wrong. In another place in Scripture, Paul writes, this is a strange gospel that will be offensive to many, that will not make sense. But it's, it doesn't keep it from being the truth. We are, we are called as Christians to be a subordinate obedient, compliant people. And then finally, Paul talks about the person on the top run of the ladder. Your first team is the master. He says, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he's talking about the Lord, who is both their master and yours, sees no difference in the two of you. All of us from time to time are going to be one or the other of those illustrations in the rung of life. Sometimes we're, we're on the bottom or somewhere in the middle. Sometimes we're on the top. I'm going to just tell you that whole top thing ain't all it's cut out to be. And that's what Paul's trying to 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 warn us about here this morning. Paul is telling us blatantly that being in charge of people is not about power. It's about responsibility. It's about taking care of people. It's It's about having concern and compassion for people. It's also about valuing those people and letting them know that. And understanding that you're in the position that you're in not because you're all that in a bag of chips but because that's God's plan for this particular organization right now. Not not, not because of anything that we've accomplished or anything that we're able to do. It's just the way that God has things lined up and with that comes a huge responsibility. On the chart... At at our school, you know, chain of command and, you know, who do you go to when you need this or whatever, my name's at the top. Big whoop. If I don't go to school one day, there's a real good chance a lot of people are not even going to know that. But if I have a bus driver not show up, let me tell you we got problems. If one of our cafeteria workers isn't there or one of our custodians isn't there, or God forbid Elizabeth is not there with all of those little fifth grade munchkins we got problems okay My position is not one of 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 power and authority. It's, it's just responsible. It's just somewhere that my skill set kind of fell, and, and, and that's what I do right now. And Paul is saying when we find ourselves, okay, leading, being called to lead others, okay, being called to, to uh, combine the talents and, and the strengths of other people, we have to do that just as Christ did, and that's as a servant, not, not as a slave driver. But as a servant. Power, uh, position is not about power. It's all about responsibility and it's all about understanding um, that God is the one who organizes and puts people in, in different places as he sees fit. One final reason this morning why we must be obedient not only to God but sometimes to the people and to the circumstances in our lives, not only just because it's right, but most importantly, because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. His dad gave him instructions that made no sense. His dad said, leave the splendor of heaven where angelic beings worship you night and day And go to earth as a frail, helpless child. Be born in poverty. Live that way. And then ultimately, give your life in, in, in the cruelest way that we could ever imagine. That's what his daddy told him to do. Nowhere in here. Will you ever find that Jesus turned to his father and said, why? He just went. And he just did. And you and I are hopeful people this morning. Because he, as scripture says, was obedient to death. Not only that, but even death on the cross. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, and we ask you, Father, uh, for your continued patience with us, God, as we struggle with some of these concepts, Lord, as our human nature often uh, interferes with what we know to be right. God, help us to be a submissive people and understanding that submissiveness, God, is so far away from weakness. It's on the complete other end of the spectrum because, Father, you submitted yourself. Lord, you submitted yourself to the cross, and you're the strongest being that ever, ever existed. God, help us to understand that there's power in obedience and in compliance and in service. Help us to understand there's strength there. Forgive us, God, where we fail. And again, thank you for your patience and your love that gives us another opportunity. We pray together in Jesus' name.